Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in Dallas-Fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. This week we heard from Brother John Michael McLaughlin as he preached for more. He explored the question, will we continue living life as a child or will we spiritually mature and step into our God-given Book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse number 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the wound, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then Jeremiah responded. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And then the Lord responded back. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, or thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Amen. I'd like to just speak to you from my heart today everything that God has been putting inside of me. I know that this mainly was a message that God has been trying to change and rearrange my life and reprioritize my life. It's a simple message titled, Formed for More. Formed for More. I believe we can all say with confidence that God designed us and formed us to do more than what we are currently doing. I believe that we can all say with confidence and assurity That God's calling is still greater than we are. And if you cannot agree with me, then you're the one that needs this message the most. But I know this, that God has formed us for a specific purpose in a specific time. And I believe that it is well past time that we come to grips that we must exert all of our energy and all of our focus into fulfilling that purpose and that calling. That we must go back to the mold and the model of Jesus Christ and be reshapen in His image to be worked on again in His presence so that we can push forward to accomplish His great calling in our lives. Amen. If you would help me pray over this service today that God would just have his way, that he would speak to every one of us, and that we would hear his word and be changed by his word and then do his word, that we would not be hearers only of this word, but that we would also be doers. I pray, mighty God, that you would anoint every one of us in this place. I pray, Lord, would you allow us to be in the unity and the rhythm of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, let every word that proceeds out be a word anointed by you. Let them be 
your words, oh God. And let me just be an empty vessel full of the Holy Ghost, oh God. Empty of my own devices, empty of my own words, but full of your glory and full of your spirit, oh God. I pray, Lord, that the word would be spoken with power. I pray, oh God, that it would move into every life, that it would breathe life into every person here today. I pray, God, let miracles be done through it. In the name of Jesus, we pray these mighty things. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. name. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You know, just before service, you guys are going to have to help me today. Just before service, I was talking to uh, Ryman and John over there. And Ryman was already trying to get a feel for what type of altar song they're going to put together. So he asked me, he said... J.M., what type of direction are you going to be pushing for today in your preaching? And I sat back, I said, well, you know, Ryman, I said, I'm praying really hard. I think I'm going to try to point to the direction of heaven today. Um, but sometimes I err and step out of my flesh a little bit, so you're just going to have to help me pray. I Hopefully we're pointing in the right direction in today's preaching. <laughs> Somebody say, I'm formed for more. Y'all say that like we're sitting in a lecture room in college campus or something, like you're just there taking notes. Somebody say it like you actually believe it. I'm formed for more. Come on, I'm telling you what, we need to have a little bit more encouragement here in the house of God. I'll tell you this, the world isn't trying to cut us down. And whenever we come to the house of God, we need to have a a place where we can be encouraged to do the things of God more effectively. That we have an encouragement. Yes, sir, you are formed for more. I'm formed for more. We're not going to let the lies of these world tear, tear us down any longer. You can do it. You have a greater purpose. You're not a less than saint of God. Come on, is anybody hearing me in this place? I said, I've come here to help you today. I've come here to encourage you. You are formed for more. I wish I had been there on creation. I wish I had been there to see God speak and say, let there be light. And instantaneously there was light. I wish I could see God speak. And put the whole universe in its place. I wish I could hear that voice of God that just speaks and things come together at that time. What an incredible sight that must have been. But more more importantly, I wish I could have seen God reach down into the dust of the earth and begin to form mankind. I wish I could have seen that intense focus on creating the perfect image of himself to demonstrate his authority on earth. I wish I could have seen that with my own eyes, how he reached down in all of his beauty, in all of his greatness, in all of his power, in all of his love, and began to put things together to perform uh, uh, the creation of the first man that was Adam. I wish I could have seen that with mine own eyes. Very similar to that, we hear Jeremiah speaking of the great attention that God puts into every life that he creates. 
He spoke to Jeremiah and said, before you were even formed in the belly of your mother, before you were even born, before your first heartbeat was ever heard, before your very first breath was ever drawn, before your very first uh, uh, flow of blood in your body, before the very first idea of you, I already had formed in my will what you were to accomplish. I already had a purpose designed and set apart for you alone Jeremiah he said before anybody else could ever speak a negative word about you before anybody else could ever doubt who you would be I already had it determined everything that you would accomplish I had already determined every word that you would speak for my name's sake Come on, I'm talking to somebody today that God has formed you before you ever came into existence. He already had a place designed and designated for you. But of course, we all have our own free will. We can choose whether or not we want to follow after that form that he has set for us. We all have a free will, and we can choose whether we want to follow after His will. We all have the ability to decide, do I really want that with my life? God, I know that you have designed me for a specific purpose, but maybe my purpose is a little bit better. Maybe mine is a little bit more attainable. Maybe mine is a little bit easier to accomplish. So why don't I just put yours on hold? For a moment, why don't I just press forward? Or on the other hand, what if God's purpose for you is so great that you become intimidated by it? What if God's purpose and his form for you and his calling for you is so great and so powerful and so deep that you become intimidated by the fact and you're like Jeremiah and you say, God, I can't do that. I don't know if you're talking to the right person or not, but I don't have that kind of ability. I'm just a child. I'm just a little boy, and you've called a man to do this work. I don't have the ability to speak like you need somebody to speak for you. I don't look good enough. I don't have the right kind of clothing. I don't have the right kind of money. I don't have the right kind of pedigree. I don't have the right kind of backing behind me. People don't even believe that I can do these things. Come on, how many, men, how, many, how many men in the Bible do we know that they had an excuse whenever God spoke to them to do something greater? Jeremiah spoke back to God and he said, God, I can't speak like that. I'm just a child in your presence. Moses said, I can't do what you've called me to do. I, I have a problem talking. I have a speech impediment. You can't use me, God. You better go down the line and find somebody better than myself. What about the lame man who was at the pool of Bethesda? He said, God, I know I want to be healed, but I can't be healed. I've got nobody to help me. Oh, come on, somebody. I said God has come here with a specific time and a specific purpose in your life. But we need to get rid of making the excuses because we're so used to answering for ourselves. But why don't you allow the Spirit of God to testify for you? So I I began to read through this passage of Scripture and it just caught my attention and just caught me and, and touched me in my heart. 
I look up really quick on the concordance, the blue letter Bible, and I just type in form. And I came across a passage in the book of Galatians chapter 4. And I'll be referring back to Galatians 4 quite a bit. But I just began reading this passage of scripture. And if you remember, I, I, I'm comparing all this to the first passage in Jeremiah chapter 1. Letting that be the basis of, of what God is speaking to me. And I began to read in Galatians chapter 4 verse number 1. It says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. So I notice, in comparison back to Jeremiah chapter 1, but the first thing Jeremiah said is, Lord, I just feel like a child. And God spoke back to him and said, no, Jeremiah, you're not a child. So I'm keeping that in my mind. And I go to Galatians chapter 4 and it says that, yes, you are an heir. But if you're behaving like a child and you are being like a child, then you're no better than the servant that you used to be. And this is the first point that I would like to focus on is that it is time for the apostolic church for those that say we are called by God and full of the Holy Ghost it is time for us to grow beyond a spiritual child it is time for us to grow beyond the childish ways it is time for us to put our childlike behaviors behind us and to go ahead and step into the vesture of manhood and of adulthood of the Holy Ghost that God has designed for us. It's time for us to stop making excuses like a child would do. And it's time for us to step in to the purpose that God has called us unto. Is anybody with me in this place today? Is anybody hungry for more in this place today? Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm not meaning to sound harsh in this place today. I'm not going to try and, and drag us down. And I'm not trying to, to, to just yell and scream. I'm trying not to be all those things. But let me just tell you this. We have less time today than we've ever had. We're running out of time as the apostolic church. We don't have the time to play around any longer. And I'm passionate about this high calling of God. I'm passionate about everything that God has done for me. So that's why I'm asking you, is anybody with me here today? Or are you just just here for another patty cake day at the house of God I'm asking you is anybody else serious about this God has formed us for more than what we are currently fulfilling but it becomes human nature for us to live in a state of homeostasis. To avoid change at all cost. Even to avoid growth because of the growing pains that accompany growth. 
the steps of faith and the insecurity that accompanies doing something greater for God. You know, when God calls you, he's not going to give you every answer. You know, when God calls you, he's not going to show you exactly how he's going to provide. But if we're called by his word, and that's what we're basing our life on, then it just stands to reason that we believe everything that we're preaching. And if we believe everything that we're preaching in the word of God, the word tells us that he is our provider. The word tells us that... I once was young, now I'm old. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. So you don't need every answer as long as you have the word of God. Because the word of God is every answer. And if you don't even have enough faith to believe that, then maybe you need to go back to the basics of the doctrine and just re, 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 uh, re, go through some regrowth here together. Yet nonetheless, we are called... For more. We are created for more. And we are formed for more. When we become stagnant, we revert back to our old nature of criticism. We revert back to our old nature of disunity. And we revert back to our old destructive behavior. That's why Paul wrote to us and said... Even though you're an heir, even though you're a son of God, if you behave like a child, you're no better than the servant that he found. You're no better than the slave that he found because you're reverting back to your former behaviors. You're reverting back to everything that you used to do. You're reverting back to being slave to the own lusts of your flesh. You're not showing spiritual subjection under the Holy Ghost. And so you're reverting backwards. Getting a little bit quiet here today. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes here today. I'm just telling you that I believe that we are called for more. I believe that we have been bought with the price and Jesus Christ did not shed his blood for us to become a stagnant church. Jesus Christ did not come to the earth for us to be a less than what he ordained us to become. But he poured it out all of it for us. So I just think that we need to reciprocate that together and that we need to give all of our lives back to him. And it's time for us to grow up spiritually. I'm sorry if this offends somebody, but I did not realize that the UPCI passed a new resolution that you don't have to come to the altar after you've been in the church for 10 years. That's a new one to me. I'm sorry if this may offend somebody, and surely this is nobody here. But I failed to read the scripture that says that it's all right for us to fall asleep as long as we're 50 years or older in the house of God. I know this may offend somebody, but I just failed to see that as long as we've been in this truth for 15 years or more, it's all right for us to check out and let the younger generation do everything and us go on spiritual cruise control. You know they say that, right? They say that in the, spirit, in, the physical, in the physical sense. 
And once you hit 50 or so, you start having a midlife crisis and you start going into your second childhood. You know they say that, don't they? But let me tell you this. That's fun and that's, that's great. Once you reach that point, whatever you want to do, you do it. As long as it's under the confines of the word of God. But what we've got to be careful of. What we've got to really watch is that we don't allow that same mentality to creep into our lives and our walk with God. That we're not going to revert after so many years walking in truth. That we're not going to revert back to our second childhood of Christianity. And we're just going to let somebody else take over. And we're just going to go on cruise control. And we're going to let them do the work. We're going to, oh, come on, church. I'm telling you right now, if you have gray hair, it's all right for you to run the aisles. If you're a young man, it's all right for you to grow up spiritually. Come on, you don't have to be 20 years old to go on outreach. So let me just tell you, let me just tell you what I I read. I started reading a commentary on this, Galatians chapter 4. And uh, according to David Guzik... I read a lot of his commentaries a lot. I read a lot of them a lot. That makes a lot of sense. And he, and he began expounding on that. And he said what Paul was talking about was somebody coming into his inheritance. Now the Jews, the Greeks, both had their ways of somebody coming of age. But the, we all know that Jews have the bar mitzvah where they take you at a certain age. They go take you around. They put you on the chair. They run around and... And do that type of stuff. And that's when somebody comes of age. The Greeks also had their own way of coming of age. But the Romans were different. You see, there's a lot of people that they say, well, once you hit 15, you become a man. Or, or, or an adult. There's other people that say, once you turn 18, you become an adult. Others even say 21, and you're an adult. But the Romans were different. They were different than everybody else. And here's how they were different. You see, a son was born and he became an heir to everything that his father had. But until he became an adult, he was placed under all the tutors, all of the governors, even the lead servants of the house had more power than he did. And it was only until the father deemed him able. It was only until the father deemed him worthy. It was only until in his father's eyes he had grown up enough to take over the family business, take over the lands, take over all of that stuff. And that's so counterintuitive to our culture today Because we always say, well, my goodness, once you turn 16, you can drive. Once you turn 18, you can vote. You can do all this other stuff. And it's all number-based. So once you get this certain age, we expect you to be this, this grown person. But not for the Romans. And neither is it true for the Lord. You see, here is what the Romans did. Is that as you grew with responsibility, they would give you a little bit more responsibility. And then once you showed that you were faithful with that responsibility, 
then you were not only his son, but they would literally go through an adoption process where he would name you ready for everything that he had for you to receive. Now let's take that and let's translate that into the, the spiritual. So many times we come into the church and we've been here, I've been here for 25 years at this church. I sit on, this is my seat. Nobody else can have my seat. This is my ministry. This is my position. And because I've been here for 25 years, that means that I am this 25 years into truth. And that means that I have this reserve sign on this chair. And I'm going to sit here. And this is my place for 25 years. But we have failed to show that we are ready and that we are worthy of the calling that God has put on our lives. You know, Paul said that we need to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. It's not just a simple, I've been in the church for 20 years, and that means that I know everything there is to know about the truth. Come on, there's too many times that we believe once you come into truth, once you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's it. No, sir, that's called spiritual birth for a reason. That means you start over in your life and you progress from there. You don't just stay sat on a seat somewhere for 20-something years, but I'm preaching to somebody that it's time for us to grow up spiritually. It's time for us to mature spiritually together come on I'm here to tell you God has something greater for you God has a calling for you God has an inheritance for you but you've got to walk worthy of it you've got to grow up in it you've got to grow according to the goodness of his grace and his mercy Let me just tell you a little bit. I'm getting out of my notes a little bit. Let me just tell you a little bit about my testimony. I went through an age of about 19 to 21 of a lot of just, I didn't feel fulfilled. And that's normal for that age. I think all of our young adults can, can attest to that. It's normal. You're growing up. You're trying to see where you fit in in the world. But here is what you have to learn. Is that yes, God has all the great things for your life. God already has a, a perfect scenario for you for what you need to accomplish. God knows exactly what you're going to become if you allow him to work in your life. We can never take out the free will element of, of our lives. But if you can submit to him... And show him that you're ready. Then little by little God will start adding stuff into your life just like he said. And I'm off on a tangent a little bit but I just feel like I need to talk to somebody here today. That as long as that you are trying to reach out and grab the attention of others. You're not showing yourself ready. When I was going through my hard, my hard times of a young man developing... I was always looking for somebody else's approval in my life. Yes, that's the way you need to go. Yes, that's a good decision you need to make. 
And yes, we need to look back at our elders and see and get their, their counsel in our lives. But there's some times that all we've got to do is look to the master and have his stamp of approval in our life. I know sometimes you may be going through some hard times, but the answer is not showing how bad you have it. There's other times you're going to feel blessed. The answer is not showing how good you have it. The answer is always showing him glory. The answer is always pointing to him. I know sometimes you're going to have it rough. The answer is not trying to get the attention of others to feel bad for you. The answer is rather gaining his attention, being filled with his spirit, and showing yourself ready for the next part of your life. Come on, I'm telling you, God has an inheritance for you, but you've got to grow up, and you've got to become a man spiritually, or a lady. Amen. So you guys are with me on that, right? It's time for the church to grow up spiritually. Amen. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 tells us, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know, the Bible <clears throat> speaks to all walks of life and what we need to do. For us today, for me personally, I need to put away the childish things. Of this world. You know, when at the same time when the Romans had that, that type of event of coming of age, they not only would name them heir, but uh, oftentimes if it was a younger person that showed a certain promise, what they would do is they would have them come and they would bring one of their toys from their childhood and they would sacrifice it to their God. And that was a sign showing that I put away the things of my childhood to take on the things of adulthood that I need to be. At the same time, they would have a ceremonial changing of their garb and they would take off their, 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 their clothing of a child and they would put on a robe from their father. And so my mind, I, I think I have a natural meddling mind where I like to push the issue, at least in my own life, is this. That if I am too busy toying around with the things of this world and do not have enough room in my own hands to pick up the things that God has for me, then that is me acting like a child. If my whole life is centered around how much money I make, then that is me acting like a child. If my whole life is centered around what type of positional power I have, then that is me acting like a child. If my whole life is talking about how everybody else has offended me, that is me acting like a child. If my whole life is talking about how I've been done wrong, that is me acting like a child. At the same time, if I have a problem giving up my clothing that I have on now to take on the clothing of the purpose that God has for me, that's me acting like a child. If I have a problem of not dressing more modestly, that is me acting like a child. If I have a problem with somebody telling me, hey, JM, I noticed, you know what, those pants may be a little too tight. You might need to change that and wear some looser pants. If I have a problem with that, which way am I headed? It's time for the church to grow up spiritually in this place. 
Oh, come on, somebody. We're here. God's got an inheritance for us. But let us not forget that we have an adversary. And they are age-old veteran spirits. And so if we don't go up spiritually, if we don't allow God to create, to create some spiritual maturity inside of us, then those devils, they will come over us the second that we try to step in to the next dimension that God wants us to step into. We're underneath the covering right now of a child. But God's saying, I'm tired of the excuses. You got to grow up so that you can be ready for the next dimension you once spoke as a child you once thought as a child but it's time for you to put on your big boy pants and come to church now I know I'm preaching a lot to the church right now and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to to, to our to our visitors here in a second but I just feel like we need to get this foundation straight together and believe you me I'm, I'm preaching to myself harder than anybody else so if you think JM, you think go home and you think, my goodness, Brother John Michael is preaching right at me today. It's not true. It's not true. I'm just preaching to myself and I'm just preaching what God has put inside of my heart. But also at the same time, 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 1 through 3 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now let me ask you something. How long are you going to remain a baby in Jesus? How long are you going to allow your spiritual depth to be, I received the Holy Ghost of baptism and nothing else? Come on, when is it that we're going to really plug in together as a church? When is it that we're going to all go together to the streets together? When is it that we're going to come to the Maderoses and to the Ballards and to, and to those that are teaching Bible studies and say, you know what, I want to get plugged in. I want to go out. I want to start winning some souls. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, is that babies in Christ do not understand the concept of sharing. And so as long as we are a church that does not know how to share the gospel, as long as we are a church that would rather sit on a couch on a Saturday morning and take it easy rather than getting out and teaching Bible studies. As long as we are a church that refuses to connect with the waitress at the restaurant that we go to or the dealer at the car dealership, then we are spiritual babes because we do not understand the concept of sharing the gospel. Come on, can I get some help here in this place together? Can I get some help here today? I said God has an inheritance for the church, but we've got to step into it. We've got to grow into it. We've got to put on that new vesture of Christ. Amen. Amen. He continues to say, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. There's a problem with that scripture. And the problem is this, is that Paul is writing to them and said, whenever you first came in, I understood that you were not able to receive the full meat of God, of the word of God. I understood that you were babies then. 
But here we are later and you're still not able to receive it. What's happening? Where's the disconnect in the growth? Why are you not tagging in? Why are you not plugging in and growing as to where you can receive more than just the sincere milk of the word of God? Come on, ladies and gentlemen. I believe it's time for us to grow up spiritually to the point that we have some growth that can be seen to where we can receive the greater revelation, some more depth of the Holy Ghost. If you want deeper moves of God, why don't you grow deeper yourself? If you want deeper moves of God, it starts with you and I. Come on, if we want deeper prayer services before church, you and I have to tag in. If you want an old-fashioned Pentecostal move of the Holy Ghost, then it lands on the shoulders of you and I to carry that forward. Amen. I'll move on because I know I've taken some time to cover this topic. So the church, I'm happy that you're with me. Now let me turn my attention to the visitors. I just felt this burden as I think we all should feel. Is that God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I formed you. I have a purpose for you. And how many believe that God has a purpose for us here today? I believe that. The book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. All of the other parts of creation were not formed. They were created by the voice of God. <clears throat> yeah, man was the only being that God came down and intentionally and divinely shaped into the perfect image and representation of his own divine authority here on earth. He expressed his love, his power, his purpose through mankind in the life of Adam. With focus and intent behind every move, he breathed life into the body of Adam. And through his breath, he not only gave him breath, but he also instilled a living soul within him. Yet as the destructive and corruptive nature of sin slithered into the lives of Adam and Eve, it sought to corrupt the very image of God and since it could not corrupt God himself. It forever damaged the mold of all humanity that was Adam so that every human to ever follow after him would be born into sin. They would inherit the problems that Adam had brought in. Thus, we all suffer in the world today. Today, even still, sin is waiting at every doorstep. Because it was not enough for its appetite to see the image marred, but rather it seeks complete destruction of life itself. Romans chapter 5 verse number 12 tells us, Wherefore as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
And Romans chapter 6, verse number 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One time when I was struggling to understand a certain doctrinal point, I was talking to my dad, and he was helping me coach along. It was nothing, a major doctrinal point. Well, it was major doctrinal, but not the basic that we've all been taught. It was something called Pelagianism and why we don't believe in it. Now, I'm not going to get off into that topic, but the most simple understanding of why you and I go through what we go through as humanity, I actually heard from Brother Chandler. So i got to give him credit for this. Is that Adam was created as a mold. So that everybody that followed after him would be shaped in that same mold of Adam. It's just like when you bake a cake, you have the pan. Or whatever you call it, I'm not a baker. But whenever you put the flour in and you have everything prepped, if you have a dent in that pan... Every cake that comes after it is going to have a dent in it as well. And so we are all shaped in iniquity. That's why the Bible says that. That's why we all have problems. That's why we all have sickness. That's why we all go through the things that we go through. Because we're born into sin and shaped in iniquity. So we have the example and the model of Adam. That when... Sin sought to corrupt the very image of God that was Adam. It damaged that image to the point that every human after him would have that same dent and corruption called sin. Now, when we were building this building, or remodeling it rather, we had everything textured, everything taped, all, taped embedded, and we had all the sheetrock up, we had all the insulation in. And we were working back here, or actually somebody was working right here on this light, and they had a lift right here. And after that, there was a guy that I work with named, well, we call him Houston. His name is Candido. And he was going to drive the lift over there. He needed it for something. And he got in the lift, and he was parked right here. I'll never forget. You know, we were pressing for time. I don't know if you guys remember that. So every second counted at the time. And he jumped up in the lift, and this whole section of wall was done right here. And I think he got a little bit confused on which way was forward and backwards. But he came over here, and he put a wall, a hole right here in this wall. And I'll never forget walking in at 8 o'clock in the morning. He got here at 7 o'clock. And um, I walked in at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'm looking at everything and how the progress is going. And I look over, and the first thing, and, and that's amazing about human nature. You can have everything else good. Everything else be perfect and right. But the only thing I noticed as soon as I walked in was a big old hole right there in this wall. And I thought about it in the life of humanity, that we have so much good. Yes, we reflect the beauty of the nature of God. Yes, we reflect all of God's goodness. But at the same time, there is a huge gaping hole in every one of us. And to make matters worse, the enemy, as the author of confusion, 
And the father of all lies seeks to corrupt us beyond what we have already been corrupted to the fact that we have problems in our lives. We go through tests and we go through trials. We go through complete brokenness where we do not have the answers. And you know what the father of all lies does to us? He comes up and starts whispering in your ear and he says, you deserve that. He says, you're the reason that you have all the bad things in your life. He says, you'll never be on, get beyond your brokenness. He says, your problems, they define who you are. You see that big old hole? You see that big bit of brokenness in your life? Yes, God formed you. Yes, God created you. But you're nothing but a broken uh, a fragment of everything that God formed you to be. And it's worse. And you're less than because of that. You are not going to make it beyond your problems. You're not going to make it beyond your family dysfunction. You're not going to make it beyond drug addiction. You're not going to make it beyond alcoholism you're not going to ever make it beyond a single parent home you're not ever going to make it beyond all the problems that you had you're never going to make it out of the ballroom you're never going to make it out of the pain that you're enduring you're never even going to make it out of the loss that your family has endured and so as the form of God as God has formed us we go through an immense brokenness and you're going to have to help me for a moment, but I just woke up with a burden on my heart for somebody that's broken in this place. Come on, you have to help me right now, church, but I woke up this morning with a burden for somebody that has been going through some tough times in your life and that the enemy has tried to make it worse and tried to turn it and make it feel like you're the cause of everything bad in your life. You know how the enemy works. You know that they say, yes, I know all that bad stuff happened, but you deserved it. You had this about you. You had that about you. You're nothing more than everything that they say that you are. You're everything that everybody else says about you dictates who you really are inside and so we go through a time of immense brokenness and immense darkness and it's true we feel the the, the weight and the burden of everything that, that that sin is because we have sin in our lives but God never designed us and never intended that to determine who we are and to define our lives God never designed you to be less than. God never designed you to be broken. God never designed you to go through that kind of pain alone. God never designed you to be left alone in darkness. I know it may feel lonely. I know it may feel broken. I know you may not know which way is forward and which way is backwards. I know all your life may be stirred up mess, turned upside down. I know you may feel broken in this place and nobody else understands you. God has formed you. God has formed you. This is my final point, and I'm coming to a close if the musicians would like to prepare. To be made whole, we need a reformation. You see, God formed us in the beginning. In his image. But that image was broken. And I think you feel that. Come on, I know that, I don't know. Maybe you grew up in that dysfunctional home. 
Maybe you grew up in that situation where somebody took advantage of you. Maybe, let me just say this. I know that I've been seeing a lot of this lately. And I just want to clarify <clears throat> that anybody that has ever, and I, and I try not to preach too much about this type of stuff, but it's been popping up a lot lately, that anybody that has ever gone through a time of abuse and anybody that has ever gone through a time of molestation and anybody that has ever gone through assault, that can have a real effect on your life. And sometimes people will try to tell you that you asked for it. But that's just a lie from the pit of hell. That's just a lie from the enemy. That is the father of all lies. That is the author of confusion. And there are times that at your lowest moment and your most broken moment that the enemy will try to tell you that you did it and you asked for it. There are times whenever you go through that divorce and you have nowhere else to turn that the enemy will try to tell you that that's all you'll ever be is broken and worthless and nobody wants you. There are times whenever you have to grow up with somebody else besides your true parents, the enemy will try to tell you that it's your fault for that. There are times that as young people that grow up in the church that we may mess up and the enemy will try to tell you, young person, that that mistake will always dictate who you are and define who you are and who you will become. And I think if we can all be transparent, we're all just broken people here today. I think if we're all just transparent, we've all been through brokenness together. I think if we could just be transparent, we've all been formed. And yes, we all have that mold and that model, but it's been broken in our lives. Now, it can be confusing as to what to do next, but the Word of God speaks truly to us. And this is why I say we need a reformation, that whenever we're broken, we need the hands of God to come in. And to begin to reform us. We need the hands of God to begin to come in and to reshape us. And yes, it's going to touch those issues in our lives where we feel the most pain. But rather than making it worse, he's going to make it better. He's going to bring healing into your life. He's going to begin to reform you. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19 tells us, My little children... That's separate from the saints of God that are here. Today, that's separate. Those are for those of you that, yes, you are children in Christ. You're new to this. You don't know everything yet. That's who I'm speaking to right now. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. Yes, God's going to put your life back together. But before he can do that, before he fixes any of the external things, he's going to put his spirit inside of you to stabilize and to touch and to heal and to reform all of the internal battle that you feel going on.
He's going to touch those plagues of the mind that you've been battling. He's going to touch that hole in your heart that you're feeling. That everything else may look like it's together, but you know that gaping hole inside. God wants to reform that inside of you. And this is how he does that. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 tells us, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Now, if you don't know what that spirit is, that is simply called the gift of the Holy Ghost. That God himself, he said it right here, the very spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of the Son, the spirit of Jesus Christ will come into your heart. And the book of Acts chapter 2 tells us that it will come out with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives you the utterance. You're going to begin to speak out a brand new language that you never knew. I know the only language you've ever known is that of dysfunction. I know the only language that you've ever known is that of brokenness. I know the only language that you've ever known is that of the world. And the negativity that people have been trying to pour inside of you and pour inside of you and pour inside of you till you can't take it anymore. But God wants to put his own spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost, inside of you. He wants to take away every sin that marred the image that you are. He wants to take away that sin through the gift of repentance and fill you up with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he said, I won't even do that by itself. But then I'm going to put you into the baptismal waters and give you my own name. So that whenever you're confused at who you are, you just say, I'm bought by Jesus, my last name is under his name. I know my identity and it's found in him. Is anybody with me today? Is anybody with me today? Is anybody with me today? I have a purpose and it's underneath my identity in Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to stay connected with the church and podcast, you can visit us at calvaryus.org or Facebook at Calvary Pentecostal Church as well as Instagram at Calvary Lewis.